Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Birkin Abashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perkyavis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. So I know that I start every morning and I say that what an amazing Mishnah. And I'm going to be honest with you today. This was a truly difficult Mishnah for me. I, you know, I approach each Mishnah the same, excited to see what it has to say to me. And it took me a very, very long time to figure out, A, what the message of the Mishnah is, what the components of the Mishnah are, and, and why I need to know this. By the time I finish, hopefully, I, I will have shared some of that with you. But I think that you will see my confusion as we learn the Mishnah. Let's learn through each piece of the Mishnah, and then, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably learn through it again and try to unfold it. But let's just read it and translate it. Huaya Omer, he used to say, again, continuing on with Rabbi Akiva, and this is, Rabbi Akiva was Mishnah Yud Gimel. Rabbi Akiva was Huaya Omer, Mishnah Yud Dalid. The Mishnah was in, in Tesvav, and then the, this Mishnah in Tezayan, Mishnah 16, all of these are the words of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva used to say, Hakol nasan be'eravam, that everything is given on pledge. Umitsuda perusa al and there is a net that is spread on all the living. Hachanut pesucha, the store is open. Bahachenvani makif, and the storekeeper extends credit. Vapinchas pasuach, and the ledger is open. Vehayad koseves, and the hand writes. Vuchol harotze lilvos, yavo viyilve, that anybody who wants to come and borrow can come and borrow. And the gaboyim, the officers are going, they're, they're being master, they're, they're um, coming in and out, they're, they're revolving every single day. And they are going to exact payment from a person with his knowledge and without his knowledge. And they have on what to rely Vadin din emes, and the just the judgment is a judgment of truth. Vakol mesuka and everything is prepared for the meal. Feeling good? Inspired? Uplifted? <laughs> what in the world is that Mishnah talking about? And and when you look at a lot of times, you look at a long list of things like that. You, you say, oh, 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 this is what I'm talking about, because you're focused only on one thing. But if you take this as a whole, clearly it's a metaphor for something. And, and, but you have, different, you, have, you have different similes. There are different things that it's being compared to. 
you have um, a pledge, which is usually has to do with a loan. And we have another thing in there. I wrote, say, anybody wants to borrow can come and borrow. But then it seems to be talking about a storekeeper and, and that he's, he's got a ledger and that he's, uh, he's sending his guys out, you know, Vinny and Tony to go into and to get, to get back what you owe them. That's just hard to understand. Is this a store? Is this a loan? What's the, what's the metaphor? And then the din is din emes. And then comes the kicker. Everything is ready for the meal. We're Jewish. So, of course, everything has to end with a, with a meal. It's got to be food somewhere involved in this thing. But, but what, is this, what does this mean? What's this, what's this teaching me? So if I just give it one, like one up, just step above it a little bit. So clearly it's talking about, it's talking about life and it's, and it's some kind of metaphor for life. But even that's not so clear. And if this is telling me about the and free choice and Tashkocha, God watching over me, didn't I learn that in yesterday's Mishnah, Mishnah 15? And wasn't that alluded to in Mishnah 14? And weren't we given a metaphor of life in Mishnah 13 by being told to put up fences? Why are these the teachings of Rabbi Akiva? What's Rabbi Akiva? What's the, the connection between Mishnah 13, Mishnah 14, Mishnah 15, and Mishnah 16? Okay, so let's go through the pieces. Hakol nosen be'eravam. Everything is given with a security deposit. And I could explain this, as Chazal do, could explain this in many different ways. One of the ways that they explain it is, is that we are, our, our lives are collateral. Our neshama and our evarim and our, and our limbs are collateral to our actions. And depending on what our actions are is going to depend on the kind of life we're going to live. Okay. But I think it's saying something even more. That when it starts off and it tells me, I call that we have to understand that everything that we do in life, there is a security deposit, which means we get nothing for nothing. Whatever we take, whatever we partake of, whatever we participate in, we ultimately have to pay for it. And sometimes the payment is really each other. Because we know every Jew, now the way you've always translated is, every Jew is responsible one for the other. Which gives us a sense of collective responsibility. I'm responsible for you, you're responsible for me, but it actually goes much deeper than that because the word the word arvus means that I'm a co-signer for you. And that means that if you don't pay your debt, then I'm responsible to pay your debt. And that's the reason why whenever there has been debt payment on whatever level in the Jewish people, so there are people that seem to be innocent that are also suffering through these, these tragedies and these moments. But it's because, call Yisrael, a raven zelazeh, I am responsible not only for me, but I'm responsible for you also. Now, this itself is something that shakes the very foundations of people's existence. People get very disturbed 
when they when they talk about this concept that I'm responsible for you. One day we will we will discuss it in much greater detail. But the concept is, and that's the reason, by the way, that I can make kiddush for you. The reason I can make kiddush for you, one person can make kiddush on behalf of someone else, even if I've already made kiddush, I can I can say that kiddush for you, because call Yisrael a raven zelazet. called the din avris. I can make kiddush for you. I can make a bracha for you. There are certain things that I can do on your behalf because there's a concept of avris. There is a concept of that we are responsible for each other and I am the cosigner for you. We understand then that nothing in life comes for nothing. That if we take, that, that there are things that we have to put down a security deposit. And if we don't pay for them, so then that security deposit is taken. Every material thing that we have in this world, there is a price to it. Now let's keep that in mind and move on. Umitsuda prusa al kol There's a net that is spread over all of existence. Well, first of all, like a fishnet that traps the fish and looms big over their existence, material things can become the center of our lives and it can catch us. It's the net, it's like the elephant in the room. It's the thing that we're told to enjoy and to, to live in this world, to build houses and to enjoy, but at the same time we're told not to let it take over our lives. But in the end, we're going to be caught by this net and we're not going to be able to escape it. And I think that the mission is saying that a Mitsuda Prusal Kolachaya means that life is finite, that this does not go on forever. You know, there's, I remember growing up, my father would tell me that there were only two things that you had to do. He would say, do something, and I would say, do I have to? And he would say, there are only two things you have to do die and pay taxes. Paying taxes is not so clear that you actually have to do that. So I'm not saying mutter asr. I'm saying you can get away with things. But, but dying, you can't get out of that. Is a mitsuda prusal kolachayim. There is an end to this existence. Not the happiest thought here. Comes along the mission and says, Barachanut pisucha. The store is open. Anything you want is available to you. There are, in essence, no boundaries because you can make any choices that you want. You can make good choices. You can make bad choices. But you have the ability to choose. The store is open. Now, you'll say, well, wait a second. What you're saying to me then is, is that the store, the chanut pesucha, the store is open. And anything that I get then is a, is a product of the choices that I made. Not necessarily true. Pain is not a, a product necessarily. I don't choose pain. And if I've got my eyes open, I don't want to choose things that are going to bring me pain. So how can you blame pain on me? You're right. You're right. You don't choose pain. But you do choose, we do choose, how to deal with pain. And that's the chanut pesucha, the store is open. You're going to get in that store there are all kinds of things that you can get and how you deal with them and how you approach them, that's going to be up to you. 
You know, we say an amazing thing. We say, Nara Yisi V'gam Zakanti, V'loro Yisi Tzadik Ne'ezav, Mevakesh Lachem, we say that, that, that I was a child, I was older. I never saw a Tzadik Ne'ezav, I, I, I never saw a Tzadik that was like rejected, who, who needed bread. And it's not true. There are plenty Tzadikim that suffer and starve and that, and that have to eke out a living. So what does this mean that I never saw a Tzadik Ne'ezav? I never saw a tzaddik who was in a difficult position in his life, who felt like he was a ne'ezav, who felt like he was somebody who was rejected or pushed away, who was a mevakesh lechem, who, who sought bread and, was, and resented that and felt that he, was, that, that he was rejected by God. You know, I once had an opportunity at a lady in, the, uh, actually it was a satmer chassid in shul. Now, in my shul, to have a satmer chassid, that was not the norm. And, uh, you know, the guy was in, a, in the whole, whole regalia. He was, you know, he was there over Shabbos. And we got, we got talking. We spent a lot of time together over Shabbos. And he loved the shul. The shul had a lot of bali tshuva. The shul had a lot of people that were growing in Yiddishkeit. And he was just, he, he loved what he was seeing. And clearly, that wasn't what he saw in Williamsburg. Nevertheless, it was, it was something that was really, it was very uplifting to him. After Shabbos, his wife wasn't able to come to shul because she was a stroke victim. And she was, um, there, there was a, a doctor in San Diego, a therapist who had like a, almost like a magic touch. And he did incredible things with people with, uh, with strokes. He's a very well-known, very well-known doctor. And people came from all over the world to come and to see this doctor. And uh, we've had many, many Shabbos guests, many people that stayed very often in our home. Um, when they came to, to they, could, they would come for weeks to, uh, to, to come and to, to have therapy with them. So he wanted his wife to meet us. So he brings his wife over and we're schmoozing with her. She's a lactation expert. And she's well known, also a well-known person. From Chassidish lady, well-known person. She was a big, she was a, a name. Anyway, she's, we got to talking about her, the fact that she has had a stroke. She's, her mind is clear. And, and, and she's able to, she was able to move, but it was difficult for her. So she said that she's been dealing with moms that have had children for her entire life, her entire career. And she said now she has a new part of her career that she now deals also with stroke victims. And she gives, she's not a therapist, but she gives support to stroke victims because she's been there seven years. She's been, she's been suffering in this condition and suffering. And we look at her suffering lady said to me like this. She said, I very often speak to, to men and they send me a lot of times to Hasidish men because I'm a Hasidish person, so I would, I would you know, be able to relate to them. They send me to Hasidish men. She, you know, she says, a little weird, right? Hasidish lady going to Hasidish men. It's weird. Okay. She says, but I sit with these men and I tell them, we got away with murder. And they say to her, what are you talking about? Look at me. I, I can't move. I have, to, I have a walker. I can't. I, my, my, my side of the body is not moving. She says, no, no, we got away with murder. Look at people that get sick. And very often what happens is that they get sick and they unfortunately get sicker. And they keep going down and down. She says, look at us. She says, every single day that we move our arm a little more or that we move our leg a little more, we're getting better. We're improving. Look at what happened to us. 
and she, she, she couldn't even see that it was the most terrible thing for her. It was, she got struck with something and she was, this is at least something that she was able to deal with. And she was able to, she was able to, um, to move for, to move further on. It's all the way you look at things. And it's all the way that you have, that, that it's all about your perspective. Now, I once walked into somebody's house and I saw the kids were jumping all over the, all over the place. And I said to the person, wow, Tsar Gidelbonim. The person said to me, kind of Tsar Gidelbonim, he says, this is Gidelbonim, this is raising children. The Tsar comes much later. It all depends on the perspective that you have and the way you look at the things that happen. The Chanut Pasuach, everything is available to us and how we deal with everything, that is in our purvey, that's in our scope. The Mishnah continues that the Chenvani the, Makif, the, the storekeeper, extends credit. Sometimes you get things you didn't bargain for. Sometimes you get things that, that you, you're not even ready to have, but the storekeeper extends credit. Sometimes brachos, blessings, come into our lives and that we're not, we, we don't really deserve them, but he extends credit. Vapinchas Pasuach. Pasuach, and the ledger is open. Everything is written down. But it's not that God is writing it down. Who's writing it down? The Hayad Koseves. The hand, our hand, writes it down. The Kol Harotzel Lilvos, and anybody that wants to borrow Yavel Yilva. Again, whatever you want, whatever you want to take, it is all there. Whatever you want to use from Olam Azef, from this world, it's all there. But just understand that the Gabayim are, are circulating every single day and that they are midato, and that they're going to take it back from a person. If a person doesn't pay for it, they're going to exact payment. And those are the difficulties that we have in life which sometimes are the payment in the sense that the purpose of the payment is to make us open our eyes and to recognize that we take a need to pay this, pay for this. We need to improve ourselves. We need to do tshuva. There are things that need to be done. There is a currency that needs to be, that needs to be tendered. Nothing happens that is out of whack. Nothing happens that's not part of a plan. I'm sorry, I skipped it. And, and it's taken from a person, whether a person thinks, thinks he owes it or he doesn't owe it. If he owes it, he owes it. And those that exact payment, those, those officers of God, they have what to rely on. It's all part of a plan that is a plan of MS, a plan of truth. And understand that the plan has a purpose. That everything is prepared for the ultimate suda. Every time we make a payment, it's to be able to give us a better place inside of that suda, inside of that meal, inside of Olam Haba. Every time something happens, it's ultimately to prepare us 
to get to that place. Okay. So now that I've explained the pieces, what's the Mishnah saying to us? Now it becomes a little bit clearer. What the Mishnah is saying is, is that life is made up of choices. We can make any choice we want, understand that the good ones will move us forward. The negative choices, the bad choices that we make, we're going to have to pay for those choices. We're going to have to, there's going to be a form, a currency, a form of payment for those choices. But ultimately, all of that is to right the ship, to get it all straight, so that we can get into that su'uda, we can get into that meal in Olam Haba. So now I have two questions. We know this. We say this in many different ways. Why did the mission have to build such an elaborate metaphor, such an elaborate story? Just tell me. You're put in this world. You have choices to make. You get nothing in this world for free. You're going to have to pay for everything. Therefore, make the right choices so that you can get a good seat at the Suda. The Ramchal says it. All of our Musasvarim say it. It's written in the Oral Torah. It's clear. Why do you have to tell it to me in a metaphor? Because when you tell it straight, it doesn't always make an impression. When you tell it with a story, when you tell it with a metaphor, when you tell it in a drama like this, the point gets stuck in clear into the head. And I think that Rabbi Akiva was telling us a full story in four Mishnayas. The first thing Rabbi Akiva told us is that you want to enjoy life, make fences. Why? Because you have a lot of choices. And if you don't make fences and if you don't make boundaries, then you will end up making the wrong choices. And understand that I care about your choices, says God, because you are banim atem l'ashem alokechem, you are my children, you're precious to me. So how does this Bechira work? That was yesterday's Mishnah, that God gives us a lot of room to operate. He gives us a lot of room to make those wrong choices so that we can learn from our mistakes and that we can continue to grow. But how does that work? How do the choices work? How does payment for those choices, for those pleasures that I take out of this world, how do I pay for that? And that's today's Mishnah. It's the elaboration of this concept. And this, Rabbi Akiva is teaching me, how do I enjoy Olam Hazeh? How do I get the most out of this world? Understand fences, understand ramifications, understand that there is a plan, and understand that whatever you take from this world, whatever benefits and pleasures and things that you have, so then ultimately you have to pay for them. We pay for them with our deeds, we pay for them with the kind of life that we live, and if not, we pay for them in other ways. And that you have to understand the seriousness of this ability to be able to choose and to be able to make choices. And that's what Rabbi Akiva is teaching us. 
And I think that Rabbi Akiva was particularly sensitive to this because Rabbi Akiva understood that the ramification of his choices. Rabbi Akiva understood at the end of his life the decisions that he made led to his death. That Rabbi Akiva became a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar. He became a leader of the world, world Jewry. That Rabbi Akiva became a person who would not fold to the Romans and continue to teach Torah until the last moments of his life. That as they were flailing his skin with metal combs, Rabbi Akiva was calm, and the student said to him, Rabbi, why are you so calm? He said, because my whole life I was worried about performing this mitzvah, the mitzvah that you have to love God with all of your life. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. It means that you have to love God even if they come to take your life. But I, I, I was never in that situation. Now that I'm in that situation and I see that I'll be able to fulfill even this mitzvah, so I shouldn't be calm. I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be clear. And at that moment, everything that Rabbi Akiva did in his lifetime and every choice that he made was to get him to that moment of Yechidah, that moment of where his body and his soul had become one. And it was at that moment that Rabbi Akiva recognized that every single thing, the store is open you can do what you want. You can take anything. You can enjoy anything. Rabbi Akiva was a very wealthy person. He ended up a very wealthy person, ended up supporting many. And at the end, Rabbi Akiva saw that what was all of this about? All of this was about Yaakov Mesukan Lesuda. All of this was a preparation for the final meal. It was a preparation for Olam Haba.